today I need to, to give you a disclaimer. This is the first time I've had to do this, but it's also the first time we've done what we did today. On this episode, we are interviewing a Dunn, someone who once went to church but no longer does. We've asked them to help us maintain the clean rating of our podcast, which means that they will not cuss or use curse words. However, the things they may share, the things they are going to share, might not fall under the category of church appropriate. But that's kind of the point. See, there's a reason why this person that we're about to interview today left the church. And we asked them to be brave enough to share that story, to share their perspective about why. We also told them we didn't want them to filter themselves or censor themselves, with the exception of cursing, solely because we want our podcast to be rated clean. However, we will talk about some things that might make some listeners uncomfortable. Hence this disclaimer. We're going to do the stereotype game. We're going to talk about this person's life. And some of the time it might seem we're trying to make light of very weighty things like the afterlife. Trust that that's not what we're trying to do. But what we are instead trying to address is that oftentimes when some of these duns leave the church, they receive treatment that is maybe less than loving. And we are trying to make a strong point about that. We are trying to point that out and and share this perspective with a church that perhaps needs to take some time and self-reflect on the job they're doing of not only loving God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength, but also loving their neighbor as themselves. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Welcome to the Millennial Pastor Podcast, where we talk about the intersection between faith and culture. I'm your host, Josiah. And I'm your co-host, Byron. And we are back. Well, yeah, we already, we're back. We kind Sorry. of already already were back, because if you guys haven't noticed, we're doing a, a short-form version of our show, and then we're also going to do this, which is our first long-form version of the show for season two. So I'm pretty stoked. Uh, I know it's been... Uh, a crazy summer. Uh, I had another child. Well, I mean, I didn't personally have a child. My wife did, but just haven't slept a whole lot. That's been really fun. What about you, Byron? Any kids? Not yet. I mean, not my own. I worked with kids all summer. I yeah, you got a dog too. And now, oh, they have the puppies. She's a crazy. But then, yeah, I worked with kids all summer, and now we're back at school. So we just finished our third week, and everyone is sick, and all the kids are crazy. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah. No, seriously, I've been dealing with lots of behaviors for three weeks. Super fun. Well, I don't know if there's anything necessarily, like, crucial for us to apologize for yet. So I guess we will skip I I have an apology. Oh, okay. You're going to apologize for I I apologize for how I sound. Um, I already got sick. So, yeah, I had to call into work yesterday because I had a fever. But I'm all – everyone's got a cold already and all kinds of junk. So I sound like garbage. (laughs) Okay, sure. well, I'll, so I'll, I, apo- I apologize. I'll apologize for what's next because we have to have a sponsor plug. So, sorry, here it is. <laughs> Moving right along, we have an exciting show today, not because we have another millennial pastor on the show, but because we're doing something a little different. If you haven't noticed, season two is kind of about some shifts and changes that we've wanted to make to continue this conversation and maybe even have more people involved in the dialogue. 
Uh, our short form show is basically more millennial pastors or former pastors who are millennials talking about issues in a rapid fire way. And it's not just going to be Byron, Will, and Josiah every time. There's going to actually be a rotation of co-hosts on that show. But today we have probably the thing I'm most excited about. Not that I'm not excited about talking with you about stuff, Byron, like whatever we talked about last week. But but today <laughs> we have what is maybe considered or labeled uh, a nun or a done. We and they're not just that label. This is a, this is a friend of mine. His name is Cassidy. Cassidy, can you can you hear us? Can you say hi? Hi, guys. Cassidy, we're gonna we're gonna get to this whole nun and done thing because a lot of times <laughs> when we use that word nun, it's like, oh, are you a Catholic woman that hasn't been married for a long time? <laughs> but a no, long time or ever or, or ever. I'm pretty sure it's more than just being a Catholic woman who's not been married. I know, but N O N E versus N U N. Because that's, that's whenever right. I whenever I have these conversations, I'm like, you know, nuns and duns are like nuns, like Catholic nuns. I'm like, no, like N-O-N-E-S or D-O-N-E-S, which <laughs> basically in the most simplistic of terms might be the uh, portions of the population who have who don't uh, have, uh, you know, what would be considered like a classical faith belief system or maybe once upon upon a time went to church but then stopped going so that might be Dude, we could even go back to like a late 90s early 2000s term i don't think is used anymore the unchurched sure whatever oh. you want to call it <laughs> the unchurched basically there's so much research so much made of this because churches are scrambling understanding that millennials don't go to uh their faith community gatherings anymore and we've talked all about it in our first season but we thought it might be even more beneficial for us to actually talk to those who have chosen to stop for at least a period of time or indefinitely uh, going to church, going to uh, faith institutions altogether. So before we ask Cassidy some of the hard hitting questions <laughs> and before we make him go through the most fun <coughs> part of our show where we uh, use him as an example of a stereotype gone wrong, uh, we want to hear a little bit more from him. So Cass. Give us your name. Give us your age, because that's kind of a big deal. We need to know if you are a millennial or not, how much we can have fun with that stereotype, and where you're at. Well, I am, and where am I? I am Cassidy Hale, <laughs> and, uh, and I am 36 years old. No, I'm 35. I will be 36. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, you had a question mark in there, so you weren't yeah. sure. I stopped counting after 29. I thought, man, if I make it past 30, it's going to be a miracle. But uh, I am in Pomona, California, and I believe that answers all your questions. Absolutely. So you you fit the, the generational windows of, of birth year because you're born in the 80s. You're born in mid-80s, early 80s, something like that. Now, I've taken some of these millennial quizzes, and I don't drink LaCroix, so I think I'm still uh, – <laughs> Well, hold on. you're jumping the gun, okay? Yeah, we will tell you if you're millennial or not. We have our own test. Yeah, we are, are apparently the authority based on stereotypical evidence of, to help you determine whether or not you are in fact a millennial. But before we get to that, there's actually one extra thing that I just want to put out there, and maybe we'll come circle around back to it. But one of the reasons why I desperately wanted Cassidy to be the first guest in this new long form version of the show is because Cassidy is the artist behind my book cover. That's and right. I thought, I thought it was incredibly important and meaningful to have somebody who is, is wrestling with some of this stuff 
who is also creative and artistic, lend their their uh, their creative skills to such a fun project. I mean, I don't know if you've gotten much response to it, but I certainly have. Has anyone said anything to you about that cover? I had I had a guy at Six Flags Magic Mountain stop me because I was wearing my Millennial Pastor shirt, and he wanted to take a picture with me. He wanted to take a picture <laughs> of you with with hipster Jesus on yeah, your with chest his, with hipster Jesus. So uh, I I. I was like, you know, don't, don't, don't be that guy and brag. I'm like, and then like three seconds later, I'm like, I'm the artist. <laughs> <laughs> so you but, told me one time, Cassidy, you said you had to summon up some courage to wear that shirt. I, I, really, I, remember... did. I really did. But the thing is, that was a, a image of Jesus that I grew up with like you did. And I'm sure Byron too. But uh, I saw it every Sunday. And when you came up to me with that idea, I thought there is no way I'm passing this up. And I mean, and it ended up making me, you know, two million, three million dollars. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh I, uh, I, I was, yeah, there was no way I was passing that up. I loved the idea, and uh, like I said, it was just, it was fun to <laughs> paint the Jesus that I saw. So. It was, it was an amazing. Like once I saw it, once you were done, I said yes. <laughs> yeah that was and a I, long process but you know what we got it done we yeah, got it done it was a process but it was a worthwhile endeavor yeah. because at the end of the day i think it perfectly encapsulates articulates some of these things that we're grappling with where so oftentimes we would rather uh make jesus more like us than be like jesus which yeah what i always find humorous is a it's an artist's rendition like take off the hipster right take off the hipster yeah. stuff take off his his glasses with the nas dove on it and his hipster bow tie and all that jazz that that white jesus that we see in american churches that is also just an artist's rendition and we always thought it was kind of curious and maybe inappropriate to make jesus white Um, i did have somebody tell me how blasphemous it was and i said it's no more blasphemous than the blonde hair blue eyed jesus behind (laughs) are you kidding me (laughs) you're totally missing it but Absolutely. I was kind. You told me I had to be kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you were kind because that that honestly has been the biggest issue with a lot of people is that cover. They couldn't get past it. But yeah. for me, it's a fun learning opportunity to talk about the fact that we're much more comfortable making Jesus agree with us yeah. than we are trying to agree with Jesus. So, um, But yeah, man, just I super appreciate you willing to do that. That has made... Yeah. That has made a huge impact on just the conversations I've had. I I was able, and I, I think I texted you right before, but I actually led a, a, a seminar at a conference. All these pastors are coming in, right? And the first thing they see on this big projector is hipster Jesus. And <laughs> and, and the headline was how, uh, how the church has failed millennials or something like that. I can't remember what I called it, but um, so yeah, I was... It was a fun conversation started. But speaking of millennials, Cassidy, since Byron has already said it, we're going to determine for you just <laughs> how millennial you actually may or may not be. All right, so are, let's do it. Are you ready to play How Millennial Are You? I, I am ready. Well, there's, there's kind of a catch, though. We're, we're not just going to play How Millennial are you but we'll tell you more later because since you're a nun or a dun we're gonna Uh even play further into the stereotype that you afford us to play with so but before we get to that uh we're gonna give you a choice we normally ask questions about how you fit into stereotypes or 
we give our guests the opportunity sometimes to pick which news headline is true. Which is a news line about millennials and which which ones are fake. So we would give you three headlines and then you would have to pick which one you think is real and why. So if, if there's a choice that you would have first, would you rather be uh, graded against the stereotypical curve or would you rather try to determine how well you can uh, uh, pick out real headlines about millennials? That's tough. I feel like uh, Byron's got me curious about how millennial I am now. I'm pretty, con- <laughs> I'm pretty convinced that I'm not, but uh, I don't know. I, we, we could all find <laughs> learn something new here today. Oh, we, we can throw some stuff at you. So, Byron, why don't you start? All right. So here's your first question. How much do you spend weekly on coffee and avocados? <laughs> I don't drink coffee. Uh-oh. And avocados are on a special occasion. So I would say $2. $2 a week? That's it? <laughs> on avocados, well, not on coffee. On a special occasion? That's yeah. still kind of a lot if you average out $2, though. Well, you know, that's about two avocados. So a week, I'm rounding up. Okay. Well, to be fair, I've got on record on this podcast several times. I don't eat avocados and I don't drink coffee. So ah. obviously, I'm still a millennial, but, you know, those <laughs> that one misses me completely. So that's understandable. Okay, Cass, are you ready for another question? Sure am. Okay. Have you ever for any reason whatsoever received a participation trophy (laughs) and where's displayed in your house it has to be on display oh it has to be on display well then well no i mean it's obviously you display it because you're a millennial that's all you can do is your participation (laughs) trophies i'd say yes i have in soccer how many like just one or is this like a yearly thing say my team was only good like three times three years and i would play <laughs> soccer like nine years uh, i think i played nine years so i'd say a good six <laughs> wow okay so you know so what you understand. i was a winner josiah do not take this from me <laughs> i went out there and i played my heart out well i had to tell you this but culture would say that's what made you so entitled so i'm sorry about that <laughs> all right your third question do you know how to do, like, I don't know, anything? Are you able to do stuff? Uh, you mean, am I like a handyman? No, no just, just anything just at anything. all. Because <laughs> everyone knows millennials can't do anything. We're lazy, <laughs> we're entitled, and we're real dumb. They, so. they basically don't know how to adult. That's that's the stereotype. Yeah, so like can, you, you just... can you adult in any way I whatsoever? Can, yeah, I mean, I, I do my laundry. <laughs> I cook. <laughs> I take care of my kids that I brought into this world. <laughs> Okay, well, shoot. He's kind of semi-responsible, and he can do his laundry. So, all right, hold on. We got three questions down. He sort of spends money on coffee and avocados, and since we're going to be indiscriminate and say, well, that's guilty by even the smallest amount of association, that's a point against you. Absolutely. Uh, the second one, participation trophies. He got trophies. multiple participation trophies, so clearly <laughs> Heaven yes. Heaven yes, that's two. But number three, I'm going to say that doesn't count for him. Since because... he can do anything, you know, at least one thing. He can do laundry. That's, that's impressive. That's, that's technically adulting. So yeah. you're you're two out of three, Cass. All right. Uh, this question, we're going to do five questions just yeah. to keep track for you. <clears throat> question number four. How many times have you looked up how to do some sort of adulting, hashtag adulting, uh, on YouTube? 
uh, in what kind of time period are we talking about? <laughs> it, this morning? Or... <laughs> <laughs> sure. I mean, no, if you did this morning, then absolutely. <laughs> no, I would say yes. I definitely have looked up how-to videos. You've adulted via YouTube. <laughs> yes. So part of what we've played with in the past, for the record, where, where some of that comes from, there are actual stories that we would share last season where where there were community colleges being opened up to teach kids how to do like basic things that they didn't get taught by somebody else, apparently, like sewing on buttons or ironing or just like kind of home ecky things yeah. or even like changing oil in cars or spark plugs or things like that. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So you're three for four, Cass. All right, so, yeah. Byron, this, I think you might be a millennial, but we'll see about this last. Question. All right. Have you ever used and or sold essential oils? Oh, man. I used once, but I, yep. I, yeah, got, I, I got some, I got help. I got the monkey <laughs> off my back and, you know, it's not a problem anymore, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I have never sold ever. All right, but never, you but you, you have used, you've used so you've never been a dealer, Damn, but you've been a user. I, I've been a user, and she and she it was only because she told me the first one was free. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my leg! All right, Cass, just for the fun of it, because I think we might have time. We're gonna do this quick. I'm gonna give you the headline uh, quiz too. All right, go for you it. Ready? So I'm gonna give you three headlines. Pick which one you think's real. All right, headline one, millennials having kids later in life are changing the nuclear family. Headline number two, millennials are moving to the suburbs, but suburbs can't keep up. Headline number three, move over millennials. Boomers are now the undisputed entitlement generation. That third one threw me off, but I will say one. You'll say one? I'll say one. Why? Why? Give me your reason. Uh, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember what one was. Uh, no, it, was gonna, um, it was the millennials having babies of ruining the nuclear family. You know, actually, I'm going to go with two. Two. I'm going to go with two. <laughs> Is that final answer? That's my final answer. Okay. Wait, why do you think? Some suburbs, lifeline, right? How many last lifelines do I get? You don't get oh, any. Okay, sorry. sorry then I will go with two. I, uh, <laughs> I will say two because uh, I – I, I've been in Rancho Cucamonga, and it is uh, overflowing with millennials. So, <laughs> well, Rancho Cucamonga is a suburb of a suburb of LA. <laughs> so then you're actually you're pretty much what the story's written about. That's you're right. You got it right. Oh, that's kind of. I should have thought more through that. I tried to give people harder headlines. I didn't even realize that you probably were living that. That's exactly <laughs> that exact story is exactly what's up. Like millennials are now getting to the age apparently the average millennial is getting old enough where they have kids and they don't want to live in like the heart of the metropolitan areas and cities are wanting to move just outside of cities and take over the suburbs, but there's not enough room. So, yep, I believe it. <laughs> well, darn. And that last one, by the way, it's just like the never ending fight, the petty fight between boomers and millennials is who's more entitled. So that's what that was supposed to be about. And then uh, the first one is since millennials take forever to move out, they're obviously taking forever to have kids and ruining everything. Generally speaking, millennials just ruin everything. So that's kind of. <laughs> to be thing. fair, the fake title said changing, not ruining the nuclear family. But <laughs> I know, but, but we, I was trying to make because of it... stereotypes, people. We all took it as like, oh, we're ruining it, because that's what articles usually say. What we're doing is ruining stuff. So that's. So so Cassidy, you're 
you're a millennial. Sure. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna say you're stereotypical in some way. Okay. And we love we love having fun with stereotypes, and we like to say so. F- in a very serious way, we like to say, you know, you label things, and millennial is a label, but people have names. So we actually <laughs> want to talk to you as Cassidy, but we also want to kind of press the issue a little bit more. But because since you're a done, uh-huh. since since, and we're going to get to this later because we want to hear some of the specifics about this. Since basically, one of the the big things that we want to hear from you on the show is why you have had issues with the church so much so that you actually took a break. Mm-hmm. We're going to play an even more fun stereotype game called how much of a sinner are you? (laughs) (laughs) So with your permission, I win. uh, (laughs) With your permission, we're going to have fun with the stereotype because I know I've grown up in the church and I've seen people leave and come and go. And generally speaking, there's this sort of, Oh, they're just prodigals. They've walked away. Uh, You know, there's just kind of like this. Oh, they're just, they're soiling their wild oats. You know, whatever the case may be. Did you say sowing kind of or the... soiling? Because I think soiling, soiling is even better. It's supposed to be sowing well, your wild oats. But their soiling uh, is even better. That's great. <laughs> whatever I said. You know what I mean. There's so many oh, little, like, cr- Christianese sayings that yeah. kind of uh, less than eloquently articulate what is going on in a person's life when they decide not to show up to your church on Sunday mornings. So to kind of press that issue and to have some fun with it, uh, we're going we're gonna to ask you some questions about how much of a sinner you are. And before we get started, uh, we're just going to say sorry straight out the gate because, like, we're going to be kind of punks about it on purpose oh. to make a point. Yeah, these so, are kind of that, bad. I'm not going to lie. Is it, is that, is, are, are you still okay with this? Because it's all in jest for fun. But obviously, we're trying to drive a point home. Uh, I, you know what? I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Well, then let's start. So question number one, Cass. Um, so am I allowed to be friends with you still? Because, you know, I don't really want your sin rubbing off on me. Um, you know, we don't ever talk in person anymore, so I don't think we can rub off. But because uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you live in a different state. That's the only reason why I think you're. Um, but I'd say, you know, well, yeah, we definitely should be friends still. Do you, do you have people that were less than friendly with you once you stopped going to church, though? Um, I had definitely had people that just stopped talking, like, that were very concerned about my spirituality. I, I laugh only because, you know, nothing, nothing changed. I just, my Sundays opened up a bit. <laughs> so, but I had, definitely had a lot of people uh, uh, express concern and and tell me that they're praying for me and whatnot which you know whatever cool <laughs> like they're not like they, they didn't nobody's told me i'm going to hell okay well at least to I your face so yeah, to my yeah face. We'll... <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just wait we might ask you a question that's kind of close yeah. to that so <laughs> all right Go for it. Uh, next question now that you have clearly forsaken your faith um how many smack smacks how many packs a day smack. are you smoking and uh, do you still feel like you have to hide alcohol in your grocery cart, or can you just put it on top and not worry about it? Now, I'm sorry. Go back to that first question. So how many packs are you smoking a day? Because okay. you left the church, so you're clearly smoking <laughs> cigarettes now. And also, do you have to hide alcohol in your grocery cart, or do you feel comfortable with it being out there and everyone can see it now? Drinking? I am way comfortable with drinking because I am a responsible adult and can stay in control. <laughs> 
Uh, as for smoking, I am definitely a closet smoker. Like my kids will not ever <laughs> see me smoke. They'll definitely smell it on me and give me crap for it. But uh, uh, non-smokers don't usually see me smoke. But if I'm with my friends that who smoke, obviously they see me. But I would say less than a pack. It's too expensive. But uh, <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Well, what's funny about that question for me is that they would just assume, oh, you started that since you left the church. Oh, that's a good – oh, Josiah. I'm so glad you brought that up. I actually had my first cigarette at a college group Bible study. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I <I'm> know. <laughs> that is no, that's the truth. And uh, totally my decision. I, it was a piss-poor decision, if you ask me. But uh, totally my decision. There was no peer pressure or anything like that. Nobody offered it to me. I just saw, you know, some of my friends smoking cigarettes. And I thought, you know, these people seem, you know, like they have their crap together. I'm going to – I'm just going to have one. And that was the fatal error. That was like 15 years ago. <laughs> Man. But yeah. No, it was well before I left the church. <laughs> and actually well before I joined the church board. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to pretend like I didn't hear that to, to ask to ask this, this next question because I have to keep the stereotype running and, and pretend to believe that it, you have only recently taken up such heathenistic, sinful uh, practices. So, so I can ask this third question. So uh, when you stopped going to church and started for the very first time, since you were so worldly, smoking and drinking all day, every day, uh, have you stopped thinking about or, or perhaps – Maybe what what are your current thoughts now on you know places like hell? Oh, hell! <laughs> so have I have have I do I think differently? But you know I feel like we're in hell, Josiah. Like <laughs> why on earth would God put us through this if there wasn't uh, if there wasn't some sort of light at the end of the tunnel? But Dude, uh, absolutely. You know, but, I, so here's I think, the real stereotypical honestly, hell question. Hell is a state of mind. I don't believe. Uh, I don't really believe. I don't know that I believe that it's a physical place. I think. Uh, I don't know. I, I. But truthfully, I haven't died yet, so I don't know anything. <laughs> well, the fun church, churchy stereotype is going to be that since you do this stuff now, because we would never believe that you did it when you were in the church, because you were good and not naughty or you know whatever the stereotype <laughs> is like now we're very concerned for your eternal soul yeah. but what's probably more frustrating for me is we're more concerned about what will happen in the life to come than we are right now like helping people right now here and now like walking with them through life and exactly what we're talking about through the crap that people deal with so but the, i can't tell you how many times i've heard someone say say stuff like that where it's like oh they don't go to church now I really hope they don't go to hell. That's like the immediate <laughs> conclusion that's jumped to. So we'll definitely jump back into that one later on. <laughs> Fun. Let's do it. All right. Well, with all hope lost and your eternal fate all but sealed, what other institutions of morality have you abandoned? Oh man. <laughs> Truthfully, I don't know that I've abandoned any of them. I just don't believe that uh, these bad things that uh, evangelicals tend to worry about are truly what is bad in this world. <laughs> yeah, there are uh, like smoking. Yeah, there's no doubt that it's unhealthy. But, uh, you know, kind of glad I'm not smoking crack and I'm not doing heroin. <laughs> so I, I'm not justifying it by any means. But uh, I just feel like uh, 
It's not as black and white as everybody seems to think it is. And yeah. that's probably a really poor comparison because I actually do have really good friends that are addicted to heroin and it's a terrible drug, but I wouldn't consider them sinners. I'd consider them going through a rough time. And uh, yeah. I'm not going to tell them, dude, get your life together or you're going to hell. Like, <laughs> what on earth? <laughs> like, so you mean you don't? You mean all those bullhorn preachers that have told you, like, this is what the Bible says, you better do it or you're going to hell? That hasn't converted you back to the right, true Christianity? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I thought about it. <laughs> 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 but uh, I, I feel like... Uh, you know, if if my approach sends me to hell, then so it goes. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't know how, uh, I, I, I obviously don't really consider myself a Christian, but I don't necessarily say that I abandoned it all either, because I truly believe the most perfect display of love is in the gospel. And uh, it was my, it was how I was seeing it portrayed on a weekly basis and not uh, in everyday life. And, uh, and I thought this is, you know, I'm not, I'm not interested in, in going into a weekly concert and, uh, and hearing an encouraging word. Like I'm, I, I want to go do this. Like, let's, uh, I just want to go love on people and I want to love on the people that aren't getting loved on, you know? And, uh, it's not, uh, yeah. So but I don't know. Like, so back to your question. I don't know that I have abandoned any morals, but I will tell you this. You asked my mom that. <laughs> well, but that's, that's the perception, I love my right? mom to death. She's, yeah, she doesn't. I don't, I don't think she thinks I abandoned my morals. I don't know. Well, well, to be fair, I'm sure I have family and I'm a pastor. I'm sure I have family that think I've abandoned some sort of oh, yeah. high moral position on some sort of. I'm just going to say, I know you do. <laughs> because I know a lot of your family and I have a couple of things in my head that I guarantee you they think that I don't, I don't so, agree with them personally but I know for cool. a fact you have family and I do too <laughs> like legitimately because of po- mostly political stances honestly they would yeah. think that we are not really Christian or that we're lost, in our, lost our way because we don't believe certain things about politicians or you know mm-hmm. one party or the other or whatever well, speaking of since Cassidy is no longer Christian, this is the last question we'll ask you. And we're going to ask you some, some real life serious questions uh, because I think this is just, this is just a, a sneak peek. This is just a taste of what's to come to talk with you about some of these things. Because I think, honestly, Cassidy, I, I appreciate you being on here because you afford us the opportunity to have maybe a, a less uh, censored, more real conversation about the stuff that needs to be heard by those within the church. Because so often you can get so entrenched in your perspective and just spend time with people that only think and talk exactly like you, that that's all there is to it. You, you don't hear any outside perspectives. You don't hear anyone else's thoughts about it. And so you're just going to be further entrenched within your own worldviews. But I think this affords us the opportunity to challenge some of that and hopefully we can make people think and have some of these dialogues. But before we get too serious, I have to ask one more insulting question. So, okay, go for it. <laughs> since you're clearly no longer a Christian, <laughs> Cassidy, and since you have liberal and worldly ways that have just caused you to undermine all the good and wholesome things in this world, I guess my question for you um, uh, is why do you feel the need to persecute uh, me and Byron and all of the rest of the evangelical <laughs> community's values? Why do you need to persecute us and undermine our our high moral standing so much why, why do you want to drag us down so much 
just why you have. <laughs> um, man. Well, first off, sorry for dragging you down. <laughs> you know that's a narrative that's out there. Right? Yeah, you know no, that's what people I, yeah, say. You're absolutely right. You're well, absolutely let me start right. as a as a representative of the church. Apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do better, but we we accept your apology. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, 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 I don't believe I have ever torn anybody down for going to church. I mean, if they, uh, if that's something that really does something for them, and 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 uh, I, I, and truthfully, I've met a lot of amazing people in the church, and people that I'm still friends with, you know. But uh, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't think I tore them down. But now I'm starting to wonder, like. I haven't heard from that person in a while. <laughs> maybe, like, maybe I shouldn't. Well, have... just the fact that you're actually considering caring about talking to a person about that says a lot. Like, yeah. obviously, I don't think anything about well, the, the questions that. So full disclosure, listeners and Cassidy, I wrote all of these questions because I know Cassidy and I was doing as much as I could to just have fun with some of the nonsense I know he has gone through since <laughs> leaving the church. So personally, I don't actually feel this way about him whatsoever. Like I am still Cassidy's friend, even though supposedly, you know, you're not supposed to be unequally yoked or whatever the buzzword verses of the day to, you know, to steer clear of all those heathen sinners or whatever. But <laughs> it just it affords us opportunities to have meaningful conversations uh, with those that have once upon a time, but no longer. And I think it's important for us to grapple with that stuff. So I, I just think it's telling right there that you're like even considering, oh, well, have I accidentally done that? Because if so, I want to make it right. Well, yeah. That's... I, like, but I don't want to tear anybody down. Like whether they go to church or not, you know, like whether they believe in God or not, whether like they're just like, whether they, they hate Christians or not. I have no idea what their background is. I have no idea where it comes from or anything like that. And it's really not in my business, but uh I don't believe that uh, I'm supposed to not be friends with them because they believe differently. No, well, I, I'm pretty sure even Jesus would agree with that. So <laughs> I'm pretty sure he said something about loving everybody and loving loving God, loving neighbor. He even said, love your enemies and those that want to harass you. <laughs> don't just rant about them on Facebook every day, but mm. you know, actually go be willing to have a, a co- conversation, yeah. sit down, have coffee with them. Yeah, but. 2008 was a rough year, man. That The introduction <laughs> to social media, I'm like, all right, now I can let you all know what I think. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, anybody listening that I've offended in the past 10 years with those, <laughs> my bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Facebook can bring out the worst. But what's interesting, I've heard it said that technology and social media, it's only an exaggerator of something that's already there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like if you're going to have those conversations with people, you just can have more of those conversations with more people. So it's not necessarily that Facebook is some sort of inherently evil thing on its <laughs> own. How it's used. <laughs> That's just what it's used. So, yeah. so truly Cassidy, before we shift gears and go to the, the more specific uh, sh- hearing you share your story about why you left the church, what do you think about those questions? Uh, I, I guess you could tell us what you think about the millennial stuff, but I mean, or, are those kind of the general sense and feeling you feel like those that have seen you leave the church felt about you um yeah uh, but kind of except for the not being my friend part or being a friend i think i think anybody who i i knew in that part of my life that knows me now knows that nothing nothing changed i think it's uh but uh a lot of 
Uh, yeah, I, I do wonder how many people feel like uh, I'm only going to bring them down because I don't go to a weekly service. But it's honestly not really that big of a concern for me, to be honest. Because I truthfully believe, I truly believe that, you know, if 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 there's if the chemistry is not right and, you know, it just brings bad energy, like, by all means, do what you got to do. I, I'm rooting for you. <laughs> like, I'm rooting for everyone. And if that means that, you know, not talking to me because I think differently or believe differently, I, uh, uh, that just doesn't hurt my feelings. That's all right. So I have some of those too. <laughs> yeah. And I root well, for them too. But I just know that it's probably not the most uh, healthy of a relationship. So. Well, I actually think it's just hugely brave and to be able to come on this show <laughs> and and be willing to talk to me and Byron about stuff that's like fully and completely airing your dirty laundry, right? <laughs> like just completely airing it out there. Like, oh yeah, all those stereotypes, all all those, you know, sweet old ladies that let's just pray him back to Jesus. <laughs> like having having that on full display is kind of a big deal. So thank you for that. No uh, we're gonna we're gonna shift gears though and we're gonna dive deeper into Cassidy. So if you're new to the show, maybe you're unaware, uh, we like to ask our guests some questions. Across the board, we like to do this. In season one, we asked some very specific questions of all of the guests we had. They were all millennial pastors. So we're just curious about some of these questions. We want to continue that with Cassidy to see what, you know, maybe nuns and duns think about some of these questions as well. So Byron's going to lead us off. So, yeah, uh, like you said, we asked everybody this. This is important to kind of hear what how your answer might be different or maybe the same. So it'd be interesting. In your own words, what is the church? I'd say uh, <clears throat> the definition of a church. I I mean uh, I don't know. It's not a question I really think about a lot anymore. I mean I guess it is a I it was intended to be used as a tool to to spread the gospel. Uh, I don't know that that is what it is today, but uh, I believe. That's some I don't know. It's been a long time since I went to school with theology, Josiah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine, Cassidy. What kind of e- ecclesiology? Ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. Well, truly, that's not that question's not even as big a deal for at least for me. Maybe it is for for some of our listeners or other people. But the real question I want to ask you is what's basically going to be kind of your story. Um, uh, basically the question of why you left, um, generally speaking, we ask our guests in the past in season one, why they haven't left. So this yeah. is obviously a complete different perspective on that. And, and I just want to say to our listeners, cause sometimes, you know, we, we obviously have kind of a variety of listeners. We have some people that, that don't go to church. We have a lot that do, um, uh, but basically just for the record, just so it's known, I, I asked Cassidy to just be honest and blunt. And so if he says stuff you don't like, uh, maybe ask yourself why you don't like it. Um, and email Josiah the answer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because honestly, what Cassidy provides us is a way to kind of reflect on ourselves. And reflection is not always easy. It's pretty difficult, but it's necessary, particularly now with what the church faces. So once again, I'm going to ask the question, Cassidy, and this is basically what I want to spend the rest of this show talking to you about. Why did you leave the church? Ah, uh, ultimately, the the quick answer is I no longer felt it was a safe place. 
And what I mean by that is <coughs> I, uh, I grew up in the church. We went to church like three, four times a week, Wednesdays nights, Sunday mornings, Sunday nights. And uh, I did that until I was in college. And I even started uh, learning, going to school to become a youth pastor. And I still not sure where that came from, but uh, <laughs> everybody seemed really encouraging of it. So I was like, yeah, why not? <laughs> but I, I realized that uh, I'm an entertainer. I, I, I have no business being behind the pulpit. Uh, so <laughs> like, I'll crack some jokes and uh, man, I might even sing you a song, but I, uh, I really don't have. I don't feel I'm in any position to tell anybody um, this is what I believe God is saying to, you know, to you all. I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, I joined uh, the church board even and thought, you know what, maybe I, I approach it this way and then I can make some, I'm going to make changes. Like, and there were some, uh, definitely there were some positive changes that were made while I was on the board, but there were a lot that weren't. One of them was, um, uh, during while the, while I was on the board, uh, gay marriage was overturned and it was now legal. And so, I mean, it was an emergency board meeting now because what if, what if a gay couple comes into this church and asks us to marry them? What are we going to do? We got to make sure this is written down because you know what? You I know have, what the Bible says and I know you got to have the policy, right? You got to have the policy. I mean, the, that Nazarene manual. I mean, uh, I think it is like Matthew, Mark, Luke and John Nazarene manual for the five gospels. <laughs> That's how I grew up at least. We got to get it. We got to make sure we're sticking with the manual. And, uh, and so obviously that was uh, pretty, uh, uh, that got voted in and <laughs> make sure that, it was clear that uh, gays could not be married at the church. and <clears throat> But what ultimately did it was I was actually at church when this happened, but I, uh, I had gotten word the night before that my best friend, who had come out to me three months prior uh, as a trans woman, um, something that didn't even phase me when she told me because it made perfect sense seeing how I'd known her since she was five years old and I knew the struggles that she had been going through. And I saw um, all of, uh, I, I, saw, I guess I saw a lot and I saw all she wanted to do was for her dress. But anyway, so uh, she had come out to me and, uh, and, and, and two, two months later, she, I got a call that she was missing and it turned out that she ended up dying. And it was, I was at church when the news was kind of setting in and I was looking around realizing this is not a safe place. This is not a safe place for M. And if it's not a safe place for M, then it's not a safe place for me. Because I don't want to be in a place where if my best friend decided she wanted to come to church in a pretty dress, that she would be ridiculed because God didn't intend that for her or whatever their reasoning is. And I, I started realizing if, uh, you know, this is not something I'm okay with. And I can't pretend that I'm okay with it. And I, this isn't a place where I could feel comfortable bringing any of my gay or lesbian friends or trans friends. And I thought, well, what am I even doing here? Because I, I have a lot of good friends that I don't believe are struggling. I don't believe are sinners. I believe that 
it's their life and uh, they're going to make their own choices. Um, but I, 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 I just, I don't believe that where I was at would have been a, a safe place for them to go. It did come out two days after that church service that my friend did die. And uh, it was where she died that made it even worse because she died trying to find a safe place. And she basically died in a death trap because people of all walks were going to this DJ concert in this um, rundown under fire code. Like there was no fire, like no fire alarms, nothing. And they all went there because they could be safe. They knew that everybody in that building wouldn't judge anybody. Everybody in that building would love each other just for being there and experiencing that night. And she died escaping the world because she knew that <laughs> she knew what people thought of, of people like her. And, and ultimately that was, that was the deal breaker for me. I thought, you know what? I, I just, I don't, I'm not going to even pretend I believe this. I'm not going to pretend that this is okay. Um, I'm not, and I, I, I get a lot of, uh, I, I got, especially when M died and I had left the church right when that happened. I got a lot of, well, you know, God made man and woman, you know, so you can't just choose that. I, I, <laughs> I don't believe that, but uh, I believe society gives us our gender roles. I don't believe God applied these gender roles to us. Um, I don't recall in the gospel where it said Jesus had a penis, but, <laughs> you know, like we don't see, we don't ask any questions. We tell we read in the Bible that Jesus was a boy. Well, well, I guess we can just assume, and there's no questions asked, but my friend who wants to wear a dress, they're going to want to know about her genitalia, or before she goes into a public bathroom, they want to know what genitalia she has. Like, whoa, you know, that's none of your business, <laughs> you know? Like, uh, don't come at me with that. So if we're not going to be concerned about Jesus' genitalia, why are we concerned about anybody else's? I mean, this is a human being that is just happens to dress feminine and happens to... Uh, yeah. Anyways. So, I mean, that was a long winded answer, but I just, uh, I, I, there's a lot of, uh, I, I don't know. There's, there's a lot of hurt like that. I felt like M was really let down and ultimately so was I like, this isn't what I read in the Bible, like at all. And this isn't what I studied in college. And I thought, what is the point of church? If it's this exclusive club of, People who are, quote unquote, trying not to sin and live holy lives. <laughs> it's laughable. I, I you know, I, 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 I read somewhere that all have fallen short of the glory of God. Yeah, dude, it's in the Bible. I, I, what? Dude, <laughs> so I might be a Christian after all. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 and it boggles my mind that people will still think, well, I can still, I'll, you know, I can still uh, not sin and, and, and live this life of, of no sin. It, it's, it's almost gross. Because, you can cast uh, the first stone. Right. I mean, just like what There's, Jesus yeah. talked about, like, he who is without sin. There's, there are people that I've met. They're like, oh, that's me, Jesus. I'll start chucking rocks at this prostitute. Thanks. Thanks for the permission to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, uh I'm so I, I think that uh, is a good point because I I just I, I kind of took that part of the Bible pretty seriously. I, I mean it was uh, it was convicting for me. I don't know why uh, why Jesus said it. 
because it challenges me to my very core. But I'm not out here to judge anybody. We're all doing the best we can. This is our first time at living. Why am I going to go against somebody? <laughs> and try to try. Tell- <laughs> yeah, like I'm not going to tell them, man, you are really messing up. That's another so- point. Oh, I'm sorry. No, what were you going to say? No, I was going to say, like, I grew and I'm sure you grew up in Byron, too. Like, I grew up in a, in, in a church, in a youth group in the 90s that was, a, you know, very firm believers of loving the sinner, hating the sin. Mm-hmm. And I, as an adult, I realized that, that that's not even what the Bible said. Like, the Bible doesn't even use those words. And if we read the gospel like we sh- like, like, uh, like <laughs> it's written. We should be loving the sinner and hating our own sin. And yeah. but we're but evangelicals are so wrapped up in the sin of the world, nobody wants to talk about their own sin. I, 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 and I don't know. I just, uh, I feel like if we, if we, uh, focus more on ourselves and bettering our minds and bettering our lives, this world would be a lot better a place rather than sitting there and letting that person know that that person can't wear a dress or that person can't love that person or hang out with that person because that person does this. And it is just like, it was too much. I thought, I'm just going to go over here uh, to the dive bars <laughs> and, uh, and hang out, maybe have some beers and, uh, and, and yeah, anyways. So, so you, you're, you're making me think of more questions, uh, okay. more, more questions than anything. Cause I'm just super curious about this. Yeah. Um, obviously if you don't go to church, the, the stereotype we've already alluded to is that you've lost your faith or mm. whatever. Um, and so you, you already kind of addressed that, you know, in some of those stereotype question, fun games that we had where you said, nothing's changed. I'm just not showing up on Sunday mornings anymore. Um, right. and you also, so, so I guess that, I'm sort of making an assumption, but please correct me if I'm wrong. Like you're saying your faith has stayed the same, um, generally speaking. Uh, so, but you keep using some, some terms and you said, I, maybe I'm not Christian or mm-hmm. maybe, and then you say, you keep talking about evangelicals. So mm. please, please, That's for the good. sake of clarification, uh, please tell me like, if you have a faith, what do you call it? Like what, what would you call yourself just for the sake of, clarification for maybe for our listeners who are out there like yo where is this guy coming from is he like you know buddhist now or something um (laughs) but also why would you say you're not christian why would you speak out about something like a a, a term like evangelicalism Hmm. one of the things you talked about in the beginning of the episode is how we we tend to draw we, we tend to rely on titles um millennial being one of them uh obviously christian being another and I just, I'm not really concerned about a title. I'm not really concerned about what people think I am, what I believe, or, or if I'm not showing you what I believe, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> I'm not doing it right. And, and uh, I'm going to go back to the drawing board, but that's not your problem. So I, 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 I'm a flawed human, <laughs> just like all of us, um, but I'm not going to push my beliefs in, 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 onto somebody because it was something I grew up on. If I, if I'm not acting out and showing how I, what I believe, I don't believe I really even believe what I do. I think, uh, my idea of the, I, I guess, um, I guess why I wouldn't necessarily call myself a Christian is I, 
I'm not certain that Christianity is the one true way. Yes, I know there's scripture that backs it up, and I know that I'm probably making heads explode right now. But uh, <laughs> you, you're, a he- like, you're a heathen of a universalist, is what you're saying. What kind right? of hateful God would put the responsibility on the humans to pick the one true religion out of the millions in this world? And when we can't even decide on what brand of mayonnaise we want to eat that night or something, you know, like, that's that's a huge responsibility, God. Like, you're going to go and tell me that, uh, like, uh, the, some of my Muslim brothers and sisters who live a life of love and service and of peace, and you're going to tell me that God's going to send them to hell because they didn't say the name Jesus? I or even, that. or even more, even more troubling for for you know my I guess me and Byron's faith tradition is that there are some that would even go so far as to say not only not only is is that a possibility, but God could even preordain even those that would claim to be Christian and say, sorry, yeah. you you actually weren't elect, you yeah. weren't actually part part of the in crowd, like you're you're still going to hell even though you are you know practicing Christian, you faith blah blah blah, do the things in the Bible. Sorry, I already decided you weren't going to make the cut. Yeah, that is. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I'm not as concerned. One thing I've noticed about not going to church is I'm not as concerned about the afterlife anymore. I am more concerned about surviving this one. <laughs> I mean, this is uh, this is unreal. I, I, I mean, the things that are happening in this world that that fall under blind eyes because it's inconvenient for us is uh it's sickening and it's enough to deal with and have to worry about whether i'm going to heaven or hell i think like i said if 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 the way i live and how i think and the questions that i ask and the people that i love sends me to hell i so it so it goes i i mean i sorry i I did my best but you know what I, i i've done my best and uh, I, I don't know that I've done my best in a lot of people's eyes that because I don't say the things that I mean, I was a Bible thumping Christian. I want to make sure like the viewers understand or the viewers, the listeners understand that. I mean, I wasn't just some passive Christian. I mean, I was making sure you heard the words of Jesus and I was making sure that my Spanish class in sophomore year of high school was preached the gospel for 10, 15 minutes. <laughs> It's laughable because it was all I just wanted to feel good about myself. Yeah, I mean, I met you. God. <laughs> I met you on a mission trip to Haiti. So I right, mean, and you know what, Josiah? That was the last church service I feel like I went to. That was really? the last church service in Couture Bayonnaise. That was the last church service that I thought this is a place. This is the church I need. This is the church I want. There was no instruments. We were outside under a tree. Under a mango benches. tree, yep. And we were singing a cappella in a language we didn't even understand, but the no. music set me free. And I had this connection, this spiritual connection that was unlike anything I've ever had in an American church. And the, the sermon, I, I couldn't tell you what the sermon was, but it was the community I was in. It was what we were doing for not just, we were doing it for each other, you know? And we were this, this, this village who uh, just took us in and 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 uh i don't know I, guarded I us about, one of yeah, the board members guarded. literally didn't sleep at night because we were close to a voodoo camp and they were oh. camped out outside of our the building we all slept in to Which, protect by the way, us 
dude, remember that painting I bought in, in that village? I, and I, I brought it on and our, our mutual friend, Jason, told me, I'm pretty sure that the voodoo painting, well, Jason, just to let you know, it was, and I've been cursed ever since. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I still have it in my closet, but I haven't hung it up, but I'm pretty certain that I've been cursed. But anyways, <laughs> sorry, no, that could be edited. No, that's totally fine. <laughs> I, I want to hear all of this stuff. So does By- Byron's going to ask you some questions, but I have one more question yeah, to ask you it. before uh, Byron has a couple questions he's going to ask you. Um, so you keep, you keep saying, you know, maybe you're not Christian, maybe you're not this, that, the other, but then you keep going back to Jesus mm-hmm. and talking about some of these things. So, uh, I guess what I'm curious about is because we, maybe we'll get to this in some of the, the questions up and coming. Um, but do you see a discrepancy? Um, I, I'm going to ask you point blank because I guess this is what I struggle it. with as a pastor myself. Yeah. Um, do you, do you see a discrepancy between who Jesus is and who he called his followers to be? And what American Christianity or evangelicalism looks like today. Yes. And I think it, it was a big enough discrepancy for me to just check out. I was out. Um, I think uh, I believe that, like I said, we're to love without fault. Because in the gospel, Jesus loved without fault. It was, I mean, he didn't see anybody for who they were. He didn't see tax collectors. He didn't see whores. He didn't see like terrible people. And uh, he saw humans and he saw potential and he, and he, and he saw more than what they were, their acts, what they were doing they, and, and told and used them, <laughs> you know? And uh, I believe evangelical today are so focused on these hot button issues that are designed to distract us. <laughs> Things like gay marriage, things like abortion. These are all things that are designed to distract us from what is actually happening. And, uh, I, and I believe that Christianity has become this corporate religion where it is, uh, it, there's, there's not, uh, it, it, you, you say the right things, you'll get to heaven. You, you, you think the right things, you'll get to heaven. But in my position, if you ask the wrong questions, you're going to hell. You don't ask that, you know, like, whoa, whoa. we don't talk about that. Wait a minute. Did this we don't guy just say that Jesus didn't, didn't know, you know, does Jesus have a penis? Like, yeah, I, I just uh, like those are the questions Like, some people would say. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've never heard that discussed in a Sunday school class. You know, well, here's why, Josiah. <laughs> it's funny you should bring that up. Because the church doesn't want to talk about penises and vaginas. That's too awkward of a conversation. <laughs> you know, let's just release well, our teens uneducated into this world about sex. And we'll, they'll figure it out on their, no, their own. <laughs> well, I ruined church then because my two-year-old was already using the proper clinical Absolute. terminology for Good all of for the you. Because my wife is a nurse. Right. So I kid you not, coming out and of the nursery. Adult. <laughs> Yeah, and an adult, yes. But coming out of the nursery one Sunday school, uh, or after Sunday school one Sunday morning, my son proclaiming to all the world because he has a, he has a sister now, and he's like, "That's not a penis." So he's like, <laughs> and so basically he's w- running around in church telling the world, "I have a penis, and my sister has a vagina." Like to every single person that he could. <laughs> That was within earshot to tell everybody, and everyone knows he's my kid. So it's just like, yep, that's that's accurate. Um, that's accurate, son. Thank you for sharing that. That's very highly educational, and I just kind of laughed it off. But 
A hundred percent. There were at least half a dozen to a dozen people that were looking at me like, how dare his son do that? I'm like, he's a two, he, he's a two-year-old. And you know what? He's doing the Lord's work. <laughs> no one's talking about it. But that, to, to be so, fair, though, we do talk about penises when we talk about the Old Testament because circumcision's talked about. Oh, so you do you have to have that conversation sometimes? And it's Ugh. the best when you talk to junior hires about it because they're so uncomfortable. <laughs> it's <laughs> the best because you actually did that, Barnes. I can't even believe you. Did Every that. youth group I've like... ever been in, I talked about it because they need to understand the culture. It's a big yeah. part. That's part of the covenant with God. The, yeah. the men were circumcised. They didn't. They didn't understand that they physically had a different. I mean, like they were different than everybody around a, them. It's important. What yeah. a terrible thing, though. What a horrible, awful. Oh Did I get in trouble just... occasionally for it? Absolutely. Do I stand by it? Absolutely. It's well, part speaking of, it. of, I mean, I get in trouble for a lot of things as a pastor. Byron has gotten in trouble for a lot of things. <laughs> Almost He's everything I've ever left, done. Left churches for things. <laughs> but, but we're curious well, okay, about you. On. I've been fired from a church, too. Like, let's, let's be yeah. real. I, that's funny. I have been, too. But it was only because I was fighting uh, with the board and telling them, hey, because we had this, uh, what I called a, a church sugar daddy who just funded everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, no, this is not okay. We cannot do this. And uh, I just didn't know he was funding my job. <laughs> oh, and so, but you know what? I was so pumped when the pastor came in and fired me and said, you know what? Uh, we're making some changes. I said, great. I actually didn't know I was being funded by this guy, but it makes per- perfect sense. And uh, I, I found a job a week later, you know, <laughs> like, but yeah. positive things happened and that guy was gone. That was so dangerous. Having mm-hmm. one guy fund, not just like, programs staff members it was yeah anything they the church wanted this guy's like just write a check and uh that's just that's more of the american side of doing things like i well, said mm-hmm. when we were in haiti it was nothing it was just us as a community what's dangerous about that though is that the board and the pastor would say oh if you don't like something even though you're funding someone's salary if you don't like them, you have the power to help them get fired. It's true. If you want it's to fund true. everything in the church, that's fine with me, but that doesn't mean you have final say. That, uh, yeah, that's true. That's and so true. the pastor needs to sit up to that person and say, hey, we appreciate you funding things, but right. we still have to be honest with the gospel. So if someone says something you don't like, you don't just get to say, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can. Yeah. You can walk away, and people might lose their jobs because of it, but you're not going to be part of the church anymore. That's right. different. Yeah. I've just followed this trend in my ministry where I started off at a church that I got paid really well eventually, but then I realized what I was being paid to do. And I said, yeah, I can't do that. And then ever <laughs> since then, I just don't really get paid. So people can't even hold that over my head anymore. So. And yet he keeps having kids. Just <laughs> they keep coming. Anyways, we're off subject. Byron, <laughs> keep it, get, get us back on track. Um, yeah, so. Okay, so based on all of the, everything you've already told us, mm-hmm. um, we would also like to know what sort of response or treatment did you receive from people from the church when you decided to walk away? Um, like, what what was their response to you saying, "You know what? I can't handle this. I got to go." Um, it was a it, it was a I, I silently bowed out. It wasn't like a big uh, dramatic thing where I'm like I'm done and here is my letter of resignation from the church or anything like that. It was, uh, but I would say the response was they definitely felt like uh, they, I don't know if they felt guilty because they failed me, which was not the case. I don't feel like I was necessarily failed by these people. 
I just started realizing that uh, I'm not I'm not seeing things I'm not seeing this the way they are and uh, I think I got a lot of you know we're praying for you and your family and uh, which again was kind of funny like because I'm like oh I, I because you're thoughts not going to, yeah, thoughts and prayers, you know, look how effective that's happened with gun control, you know, like, and, uh, and I'm not saying, for the record, I'm not saying we should ban all guns, so please don't, <laughs> don't email Josiah about this gun, you know, hating liberal. I don't, hey, I already get in, in trouble enough as it is, Cassie. I don't really care, like, I know, no, but... I know what I was getting in asking you on the show, so let it rain, Right. Go for it. <laughs> so, I mean, but these thoughts and prayers that we offer up, uh, in my opinion, if you're not going to be, a, if you're not willing to be a part of the answer, don't bother. <laughs> like, please, don't waste God's time. Like, he's infinite. <laughs> the guy, you know, God is Alpha and the Omega, but it's still God's a waste time. of time. You know, like, oh my I don't want to hear this. Like, show me, show me that you want me to be a part of your life. Show me that you want to see what how I live my life. Don't, uh, and, and I'll let you know if it's not going to work out or not, you know, I just, uh, but I don't want uh, these passive, this passiveness of, you know, I've been praying for you. I'm like, great. What about? Because I don't even know what I'm going through. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I feel honestly, I, I personally feel mentally healthier. I don't feel like I'm constantly under this um watch and feeling guilty for every little thought let alone action that has been freeing and i believe that that's what the gospel was trying to get at you know is setting people free from these things not reminding them about it and uh, <laughs> not not giving them a new form of oppression <laughs> yeah, exactly I, in luke chapter four jesus is like this is the gospel is good news for those who are oppressed like it talks about some pretty clear things and what's funny for me because i preached this one time and i got in a little trouble for it but i just didn't really care too much um after jesus kind of drops the jesus microphone mm -hmm. so to speak because like he's literally he's reading from the torah he's reading from the scroll and i like to picture jesus Instead of doing a mic drop, he did a scroll drop. <laughs> everyone everyone there wanted to kill him. Like, that's the what? passage in Luke 4 where he's like, what? Isn't this Joseph's? Who is it? Like, basically, like, uh, I'm pretty sure he just called us out. Let's oh, kill man. him. I feel that. I feel that. Uh, not, not not on that level, but that level of, uh, isn't this, you know, so-and-so's son? <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm not my parents. <laughs> like, I'm sorry that I, I, don't, uh, I, I don't think like them or believe necessarily what they believe. But, you know, they were good people that raised me right. And they did a good job. I don't blame them for me not going to church. This is my decision. But my, uh, I just, it, but I got that a lot. Like, I, maybe I didn't get it verbally, but it was always in the back of my head. Like, uh, I, I don't know. That would be You're embarrassing your parents. Yeah, yeah, like, definitely. I'm embarrassing <laughs> my family. Uh, I mean, as a pastor, I have four kids, and I just I hate the thought because a I I would like to believe I'm not going to choose work over family as a pastor and ruin the church for them in that way. Mm -hmm. um, because I've heard too many PKs pastors' kids say that. However, I I don't know how much, and I try to any opportunity I have to address it, I do. But I can't help the fact that people are going to hold my kids to some sort of special right. standard because I'm their dad. It's so unfair. Right? 
as if like, oh my goodness, your kid screwed up. How embarrassed are you? It's like he's a kid. Right. He's he's a seven year old. Like when that when my son was two and he was being anatomically correct, people were embarrassed (laughs) for me. I was like, whatever. You want to get real embarrassing? Show up to my sex ed class that I teach (laughs) in public high school. Let's talk. Like I, that's just it wasn't a thing that I was too concerned about, but. That's exactly what you're talking about is something that I'm very concerned about for my children, just kind of the expectation and the treatment of, oh, well, we don't ask those questions here or we don't talk about that here. Like if there's not a better place to talk about stuff than the church, I don't know like what we're doing. Like the church is supposed to be the place where we grapple with life's most difficult things. Like that's what we're supposed to do. Right. And maybe and find refuge in and escape this world, you know, like. It, that, that's why I that's why I brought up the church service in Haiti. That's what it was for me. Like that was that was church. <laughs> that was. Uh, but uh, anything out here is is I don't know. I haven't been to every church in America, so I hate to make general statements. To be honest, the churches yeah. I have gone to, I wasn't too impressed with. I wasn't, uh, especially the older that I got. I thought, you know, this is not. This is not me. This is not what I believe. This is not who what I I want to do. I I I, I just I want to yeah. And I'm not So I don't you know, uh, I don't know if we specifically asked you then because now you're making me think for a second. Mm-hmm. How long did you how long ago did you stop going to church? I can't remember if we actually asked you that. December 2016 and I started, I actually, I will tell you, and you know what, maybe uh, this will encourage my mom if she's listening, but I went to church <laughs> two weeks this month. I will have you. I be, Is that, They were getting that's... ready to offer me the pulpit. But, uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, I, uh, my sister had invited me to a church that she was trying out, and I thought, oh, whatever. I wanna, I'm kind of curious now. Like, what's that going to be like? And it was a cool church. I liked the congregation because they, they they didn't force themselves on me like oh thank you jesus new faces you know it was uh this guy it wasn't a one of us as soon as you walked right <laughs> exactly it was more uh this guy clearly doesn't want to talk to anybody so we're gonna let him have his space <laughs> like... <laughs> okay i'm gonna ask a question about that though Yo, was it, it that they wanted to give you your space or that they didn't really want to talk to you because there's a there's a fine line there because a lot of churches that i've gone to like one of the first things i look at at a church is if people actually like speak to me because a lot of churches they don't talk to you and it's not because i'm like put out of bible like don't talk to me i smile at people i wave i I shake hands i try to talk to people and i get rejected a lot at churches which i don't think is healthy either Uh uh-huh so like if someone tried to talk to you and you're just like yeah I'm here okay and you're like you that's different yeah but like did they just ignore you? Did, they, did they make eye contact with you because that's a big were you deal. mean mugging everybody I mean were you just like putting it out there like do yeah I was actually wearing my Johnny Cash giving the finger shirt but <laughs> are you serious <laughs> no no I was not. oh but, I was uh... say millennial pastor shirt would have been appropriate you know too. that you might be... let people know I think so I ended uh but uh no I think uh. I don't, I was more relieved that they weren't talking to me than I was paying attention if they were going to talk to me in the first place. Obviously, you have that, uh, that time between passing around the offering plates where it's, you know, shake your hand time. And uh, uh, my, <laughs> it, I, I, 
I immediately just started shaking hands with the people I was with because I thought these are the people I want to shake hands with. I, I, <laughs> I have terrible social anxiety. This has nothing to do with the church. Like, this is all me. But I just would rather not talk to strangers. And uh, But I think, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say they were ignoring me. But I definitely was, I don't feel like I was giving the vibe that that's what I was there to do. I was just kind of uh, observing, I suppose. I uh, I didn't take communion. I didn't feel comfortable with that, especially because it was white grape juice. And I thought, okay, is this Jesus's urine or is this his blood? Oh my because, goodness! Oh my gosh. Like seriously, like if we're gonna do so this. The, let's do this. The wine. Like, it was wine that was white, or is it like white grape juice? It was white grape juice. Yeah. It oh, was. Man. I don't know. It's hard to get in the. Uh, the, the <laughs> was it Jesus's urine? <laughs> oh. My. Of course you're gonna ask that. Oh my. Well, uh, I knew a quick I question about that. You, Josiah. <laughs> I, I knew. I knew oh, what was going to happen. Does this church have a denomination? Oh, it does not. Okay, it's not. Okay, that's, I'm just curious. That's a good question. But some yeah. churches they don't let if you're not a member and you, they don't let you take communion. Nazarene Church allows anybody who's present to take it, but mm-hmm. not everybody's that way. So I was just curious. Yeah. So, no, I don't. I'm almost certain this was non-denominational. So okay. But yeah, they didn't have I mean, rules like, hey, you have to be a member of this church to take communion. No, but what I did like is that the pastor uh, talked matter matter of factly about his uh, how his mental health treatment and about going to therapy, and then looked to the congregation and said, "Now, I'm assuming you all have a therapist, right? Because if you don't, you you really need one. you probably like, should we, get we, one. We all need one." And I'm like, "That's yeah. a re- that's responsible. That's responsible. That's responsible. Like <laughs> I, like I grew up with pastoral counseling." That was not responsible. <laughs> like, <laughs> I needed a therapist. I was nuts. Like, I needed help. <laughs> I did not need scripture thrown at me to tell me how I should be thinking or how I should be feeling. I needed to work through the emotions and the bad thoughts that were in my head. And that wasn't helping at all. So that I was, told a person they needed therapy one time and they looked at me like I was some sort of it possessed. It is a fragile subject. It is. It, yeah. it is. It is. It is something that... Um, has to be handled with i've i've done it harshly to people and i like whoa come on man like save that save something for your therapist but (laughs) (laughs) no i i realize that that's obviously not their approach so i try to be a little more gentle like here's here's how it's helped me in my life type of thing um but uh yeah well no my situation was more of a oh i need i need therapy i need counseling for me i'm like i'm not a therapist i'm a pastor like, that's what I've told people. And they looked at me like, <gasps> I can't believe you said that. It's like, it's true. I didn't go to school to do that. And like, Seriously. that's not my cup of tea. I don't know. Right. I mean, I, I wish the pastors I, I had that I talked to growing up. Uh, they were, I, I, I love them. I love them all. They're great people, but I wish they would have referred me. Like, this is beyond me, Cass. Like, I think, yeah. I think you're fine, but clearly in your head, you're not. So I, I, here's some numbers or here's what I think you should do. Or I wish here's I had a person that. you should talk yeah, to. Here's a person that I, a better person, another pastor I tried talking to on that level. He flat out told me, Oh bro, you don't want your pastor to know this. Like, let me get you some numbers. And then I, <laughs> and I, and he was absolutely right. I, and I never went back to that church after I shared it with him. Cause I thought, you know what? Yeah. He's right. I don't want him knowing this. And now Awkward. I don't want to go anymore. Yeah. But, well, so Cassidy, I, 
we're, you know, we're going to run low on time here in a second. So yeah. what we're going to ask all of our nuns and duns, if they care to be known that way, or if they care to even respond to this question is this, how can we as the church do better so that we don't miss out on, on being in relationship with people like you? Like, is there something that, cause I guess I'm curious, a, do you even care? Like whatever do you, I'm going to do me B if you do care and you have a response what do you think it looks like for the church to just do better at being the church? Stop relying on Sunday mornings to get the job done. Because that, that that's, that's an hour out of your week. This is a, this, if, the, if this is something you truly believe, and this is something that you truly are to the core of your being, this should be nonstop. And I'm not saying perfection. Accept the fact that you're a sinner like everybody <laughs> else in this world. And just because somebody, quote unquote, sins differently than you doesn't mean you can't be friends with them. You know, like it doesn't mean you can't talk to them just because somebody believes something differently than you doesn't mean you you'll necessarily have to shove what you believe down their throat. You know, maybe you listen with love rather than share with love. Maybe you yeah. show them in love rather than use your words. I think it was uh, um, uh, St. Francis that said, uh, uh, preach the gospel always and use words when necessary. Something yeah. that's a very loose quote, I, I, I believe. But uh, like, No, you pretty, you pretty much got it right. It is. That was close enough. Stop worrying about uh, making sure people hear the gospel and start showing them for Christ's sake. <laughs> so i know we spent a lot of time kind of begrudging the church but I, I would ask a follow-up question of you is there anything about i don't know i'll call them jesus followers mm -hmm. or people that are doing it authentically is there any examples or is there any things that are giving you hope that would make you think you know what maybe i could be a part of this sort of a thing once again or it, oh I, I mean if not then that's fair too but i'm just curious are there things that give you hope because we like to not just spend the whole hour and a half right you know ripping the church apart but also offer some positive feedback as well churches i find hope in are the churches that i see people in need lining up in outside of and they have their bags they have whatever they can fill up with because they know that this church is going to provide this church is going to help them get some food this church is going to help them get some groceries when they have nothing yeah. I like seeing churches out in the community, not with their banners and matching shirts, but actually <laughs> and their megaphones. <laughs> yes, but they're actually a part of the community, and and not just as a as a mission trip. I think that was the hardest part for me as uh, growing up was these mission trips were ten days long. That hate that trip in Haiti it was ten days long. I can yep. probably name two people. I, I don't think I was that effective in ten days. I. I I feel like I, yeah. I need to do more. And so I try to do more in my community, but I don't just try to do stuff. I try to be in relationship with people. I don't want to just do something for somebody. I want to know your name. What's your story? Yeah. Like what, what got you here? <laughs> and, uh, and how, like, is there anything I can do to help? And honestly, there's a lot of times when there's not, but I've noticed that people just want to talk <laughs> and people yeah. just want to feel like somebody's looking at them. And somebody is like, even just a smile and a wave. It is, it's enough, but um, I being treated like a human, just like a human. I, yeah. So I think that ultimately gives me hope when I see it outside of Sunday morning service. Got it. Well, 
I appreciate it, dude. This has been a really fun conversation. We'll see the response we get for it. I'm actually excited to find out what people think about hearing from those that have potentially given up, at least temporarily, on going to Sunday mornings. We'll just use your your uh, your words for it. Who decided that they're going to free up their Sunday morning a little bit more. And look, at, I made it an hour and a half and didn't use one curse word. I <laughs> well, just we'll want to make sure that's pointed out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate your honesty and obviously sharing about your friend is that was pretty rough and everything that went on. It, it clearly had an impact in your life. Um, yeah. So thank you for being honest with us and letting us know how you feel, and how you think. This is the kind of stuff we need to hear from people to, you know, find ways to build relationships and to love on people and, you know, build bridges to the generation we've basically forgotten right yeah this is the this is the hour (laughs) we can use some revelation speak this is the hour you know the metaphor of the final hour or whatever Mm -hmm. the church is the church is not thriving in this country and i think it has something to do with what cassidy is talking about but there are still what i heard one one senior saint who we might get on the show in the future uh said that there's a remnant that have not given up that is perhaps the best chance the church has to to adapt to a world that is ever changing while still honoring what Jesus said to love love God with everything and love their neighbor as themselves. So that's what we will strive to do. But Cassidy, once again, thanks, man. I really one, appreciated it. One last thing as we close, just want to make sure your listeners are aware that Flint is still does not have clean water. And um, <laughs> if we could uh, step up our game, that would be great. Thanks. There's actually a uh, a NAS event happening in Flint in the next month or two called awesome. Creation Care Awareness. I don't know if y- y- it's on Facebook. We can share it on our our social media cool. after this airs. Peer, people are curious about it, but yeah, awesome. we could do we could do more tangible things just as good people. Stop poisoning the poor. That would be great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty sure Jesus said something about loving them. I don't know. I could be wrong. Unless but... it means you can make a bigger po- profit, Byron. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Good old oh, Merry <laughs> All right, oh, guys. Oh, my goodness. Well, hey, Cass, thanks again to our listeners. Thank you for listening. Uh, we're back. We're going to have more stories like Cassidy's. We're also going to possibly, depending on how all the scheduling works, hear from some uh, seasoned saints who seem uh, especially interested in equipping and mentoring young pastors like me and like Byron. Well, used to be. Once upon a time. Once upon <laughs> a time. I know. I just, I'm trying to be nice about it. Um, but uh, we're going to do a rotation where we hear from some nuns and dons. We hear from some senior saints. And then we're going to hear from some millennial pastors who are going to share with us their thoughts uh, of the shows that preceded them. So every other week-ish, we're going to try to put out the long-form show. But you can check us out weekly on the short-form hashtag blessed edition of the show. You can subscribe, rate, review it. That would be great. You can follow us on social media. In our description in the podcast, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you do actually want to respond and comment on this show, you can find us at themillennialpastor.com and hit that con- uh, contact menu item, and we will probably get an email. But if you want to hear more about mo- what millennials are doing, some of their faith-based work, or even some of their I have given up on church and here's why stories, then please stay tuned for the next episode of the Millennial Pastor Podcast. Until then, I'm your host, Josiah. I'm your co-host, Byron. We'll see you soon. <laughs>